Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you for the next hour. Bring you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me this evening. And we cannot complain the last number of days with the weather. Fabulous sunny day today and more of the same for the coming days. Great chance to get fertiliser out in silage ground and lots of tillage work occurring at the moment also. Ground is absolutely an ideal form. It was quite wet up to last week, but a lot of great drying in the last three or four days. Super amount of work being done at the moment on farms around the Midlands and indeed the country. Uh, now, this evening's programme and Arabon have just announced their annual figures for 2022. And it was a bumper year. The first time the co-op has surpassed 500 million in turnover. So a milestone for the co-op. Their CEO, Conor Ryan, will join me to chat about this record year, but also to give a forecast for this coming year and where he sees milk prices in a few months' time. Mochran Affirmna have just elected a new president. Elaine Houlihan will take the reins from leashman John Keane. Elaine becomes the 39th president of the organisation and we will find out later just what she feels are the biggest challenges to young Irish farmers at the moment. Slurry storage, is it possible to ever have enough of it? The answer with any type of intensive enterprise is a resounding no. Also, the way the goalposts keep moving on nitrates, who knows where it will stop in the future. The department has just announced that TAMS funding is now available on slurry bags. These are huge rubber bags that can store hundreds of thousands of gallons of slurry. Limerick man Paul Dillon brings in these bags from France through his company calfpens.ie and he's going to join me later to chat about the product. Now he also sells the perma stores, the more permanent structures. So we'll compare and contrast both options and see which makes sense for your enterprise. As always, text to show with comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. To start this evening, we are speaking about the just opened multi-species sward and red clover scheme which sees two and a half million euro of funding available for these measures darren carty from the farmer's journal joins me darren many thanks for taking my call this evening good evening and uh, we're going to talk about the multi-species sward and red clover scheme in a moment uh, darren but just in advance of that we'll have a, a word on the trade if we start with the factory trade what is the case at the moment are suppliers uh, hungry for stock yeah, uh, if we start on the cattle side first, uh, I suppose do, it's really, I suppose, a steady trade in that we're into this time of the year where farmers are keen to get the last of maybe shed cattle out. Now, when I say that, say uh, in small numbers, yes, there's going to be specialist finishes that's going to be finishing cattle indoors right up to June. But in general, there's a sort, I suppose, push to get the numbers out, and that's buying factories a small bit of time are taking the pressure off. Uh, say prices un- unchanged really. Heifers five thirty uh, a kilo of a base. Uh, bullocks about five twenty five. And if you're looking at an all grade cow around the five euros a kilo mark. So nothing too drastically different on that. Uh, a big week though for the sheep side. Uh, the Indian of Ramadan has brought another boost, and we've seen hogger coats increase by thirty cent a kilo at the start of the week. Uh, brought the base price up to 7.20 and say, the majority of hoggets selling from 7.40 to 7.50 a kilo. Spring lambs uh, topped 8 your kilo mark last week and selling anywhere sort of from 8 your state 20 to 25 a kilo. So a bit of positivity there. Factories quoting up until, up until the end of this week and uh, 
I'd say it'd be a case then of sort of wait and see. Factories are trying to put out a message at the moment that uh, demand will be reduced uh, given that, say, Ramadan is finished, buying for Easter is finished. But on the flip side to that, there's a lot of sheep passed through the system. Numbers are tight. We've seen last week's kill was recorded at 47,000 uh, hoggets, com- I say sheep, compared to 62 or 63,000 a week before. So I think that will have an influence on if factories can get traction and pull the price back. Yeah, good news for sheep farmers, uh, Darren, after uh, a tough few months, no question about it. Uh, moving on to the Mart trade, uh, Darren, and I just had Mart bids up on my phone. I was looking at a few prices from Burr on Monday last, so we're Wednesday today. Uh, some of the store prices, some crazy money being paid for store cattle uh, in Burr on Monday. A 3.23 kilo uh, Hereford Bullock went €935, Euro, 2.89 a kilo. And, uh, and an Angus heifer, 3.21 kilos. Like These are only little bits of stock. 960 euro. That's nearly 2.99 a kilo. Three euros a kilo. Um, these are very optimistic buyers, Darren. Very optimistic. Uh, this, there's, a, there's a neighbour that uh, lives beside me uh, here, MJ, and he'd be buying and selling. And the day he's out buying, he'd be, he'd be describing them as a rob. And the day he's selling, he'd say, you need every penny, mm. penny of it. So I think, I think it's a situation at the moment that it's good to see a bit of vibrancy in the trade, uh, given, I suppose, maybe a bit of doom and gloom around input costs last year. Uh, but, but as you say, it's important also for farmers to be doing their figures uh, on the stock that they're buying because... Uh, as you say, like over three euros a kilo there, two eighty, two ninety for dairy crossbreds, nice continental cattle, three twenty, three thirty, even up as far as three fifty or three seventy a kilo. So there is a lot of confidence in that trade. We've probably seen this year that the, the buying for the seven months or for what's now twenty eight weeks for for A and C payments was delayed slightly, and I think that's having an impact at the moment, and that's probably driving a bit more life into the trade and sales have been small relative to what uh, generally they would be this time of the year I think that we've seen a more balanced numbers uh, since January rather than the big push out that we might normally see at the end of March and into April Yeah very good and uh, Darren moving on to the multi-species sward and the red clover silage scheme just actually a word on just before we move on to that the Lyman scheme I believe the closing date is tomorrow I mentioned it to listeners last week but if you do want to uh, get your your speak in for the Lyman it's just through ag food and it's it's fairly straightforward Very straightforward a a surge of applications in the last week so over 14,000 applications since last Wednesday, bringing it to over 25,000 applications. Uh, log on to food, click on expression of interest at the top, put in the tons of line, click the four or five boxes uh, for the terms and conditions and click submit and that's your application in MJ. Yeah, very good. So that's that and uh, that's closing tomorrow. Multi-species sward, red clover silage, those schemes opened today. There's two and a half million on the table for those. This the second year of those, Darren, was there much uptake with these last year? There was. They were, they were common enough, uh, I suppose, more uptake than, than would have been expected. Uh, between eight and 10,000 hectares uh, for for both schemes, so the department had sort of targets around that, uh, say, hectares being met, and it was hit. Uh, actually, they thought the multi-species would be more common than the red clover, uh, and, it, and it turned out the red clover was very popular last year. A lot of dairy farmers, I think, put it in, given 
the cost of fertilizer and there was a real refocus on that and also you've seen some farmers worried about fodder supplies and putting it in and i think that we're probably going to see a good bit more red clover uh sown this year the the jury very much still out on multi-species whereas red clover they don't suit every system but they're tried and tested and you're going to sow on them with your eyes fully open and what you need with regards yes you'll reduce nitrogen but you need a big application of, of say potassium or slurry or farm or manure or regular uh, so I think this I think that there'll be a right bit of interest uh, in the coming months in June and how much can we get for those Darren if you apply say the red clover silage one it's per hectare I'm presuming what's the payment available yeah both of them are per hectare uh, and up to three t- sorry, 300 per hectare. Now, and why it says up to 300 per hectare is that for this scheme, the department has said that if it's oversubscribed, the payment per hectare will be reduced. But that's quite a favourable payment. That if we look back at last year's scheme, it was a supplement on the cost of a bag of seed, 50 euros uh, towards the cost of a bag per acre. So you're looking at 125 euros per hectare versus 300 this time around. So it shows, it really shows the department's, I suppose, focus and where their thinking is going when you look at the amount of money given to organics and now, say, more money being given to push multi-species and red clover silage. Yeah, absolutely. And closing day for those, Darren, I'm presuming they're running up until the, the basic payment closing date, is it? Exactly. So they so they, they tie in with that. Uh, when you're putting in your application, uh, you don't have to state, say, the number of hectares in your application form, but you do need to know because you need to mark it on your uh, your BIS maps. Uh, so unfortunately, there was 20,000 applications in before the scheme opened, so we will see some farmers having to amend their application if they want to put in, uh, say, an application for red clover multi-species, but that, that's, I suppose, a straightforward process enough uh, if farmers are interested in doing that. Very good. Many thanks for that, Darren, on all those areas. we speak to you again on the programme in the future. Thank you, MJ. Uh, Darren Carty there from the Irish Farmers Journal and a great rundown there on all of those available schemes. So the multi-species sward and red clover silage up to €300 Euro per hectare. That's a decent payment uh, in fairness. And also the lime, which I mentioned to you last week, if you do want to get in on that, tomorrow's the closing date. And as I said, with those things, just go in, uh, tick the buttons, get your ag advisor to tick the buttons and uh, their expressions of interest. Look, you may not even get into them, but um, if you're not in, you can't win, as they say. Uh, also, uh, sheep trade more positive as Darren said at the outset there um, fairly solid cattle trade at the moment and that mark trade then again look it's not um, dem- demonstrative of the factory trade uh, when there's 3 euro a kilo being paid for store cattle uh, look you're not going to get that if you do the figures across into the factory but a uh, very strong store cattle trade at the moment especially those lighter dairy bread stores and indeed uh, continentals so at the moment uh, things are strong uh, now coming up after the break we are going to be speaking to Elaine Hoolan she is the new president of Makra Nafirna or she will be uh, I don't think she's taken over yet we'll find out exactly in just a moment so stay tuned for that Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. 
And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we're moving on to Mochrana Firma, and we have the uh, President-elect, I suppose is what we'd say, Elaine. Is that correct? President-elect, is that what, that's what we'd call that's you? That's correct, MJ. Very good. And now, when we're talking about presidents, uh, Elaine, you had the honour of being invited to President Biden last week up in Arsenoukdron. How did that go? Um, I suppose it was one of those moments, it's hard to believe that actually happened. And it wasn't until yesterday when I actually received the official photographs that it was like, I was really there. Um, I suppose, look, it was an amazing opportunity and I can't thank our, our president here in Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, enough for selecting me as one of the eight that got the chance to sit down and meet with Joe Biden to discuss everything to do with Ireland. And how long did you get, uh, Elaine, with the president? So... Now, in total, we had got about a half an hour, to tell you the truth, but then we had about another half an hour to 40 minutes with the U.S. Congress afterwards. Very good, yeah. Well, and um, speaking to President Biden then, one-on-one, he, was he, did he have an interest in, uh, in, in young agri-politics? He really did. He was actually very positive to all of us, to tell you the truth, all the organisations that were up there. And um, I couldn't go over it. I just wasn't expecting him to actually have an interest, and it seems like, as well... Michael D had already filled him in a bit about Mokra as they were walking back in. So he had a fair idea of what we actually did, which was lovely to see that he had an interest. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. As you said, once in a lifetime uh, experience and opportunity. And Elaine, you're taking up the mantle of president on the 13th of May. So we still have um, a leashman in, in charge up till then. But uh, you won't feel it. And you have a big event coming up next week. It's called Steps to the Future. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, your own background, Elaine. What's your own background in relation to agriculture and, and Mokra that has you in this position? I suppose for the past two years, I've been the Munster Vice President of the organisation, so I've been a part of um, the current president, John Keane's presidential team. Um, here at home, we're part-time beef farmers, along with owning our own agricultural engineering company. And I suppose I actually work as a physio. So I kind of branched out from um, the norm here in the family. So I went down the route of healthcare. And what's the, uh, the ag engineer? What do you make? Um, we make everything from stall work to do with milk and parlours to manhole covers to barriers. Anything that needs to be done, we make it. Yeah, very good. Uh, so, look, a, a strong agri background there. Now, taking up the mantle of President of Mockery and Affirm, it's, it's a big gig, Elaine. There's no point saying anything different about it. Um, you'll be a busy woman for the next couple of years. What do you feel are the biggest challenges now facing young farmers in Ireland? I suppose, really, Andrew, you touched on it. The event steps for our future we're actually highlighting the big challenges facing the young farmers and I suppose this is something that over the next we'll say next week you'll see all over the media like the biggest thing is kind of going into the definition of what a family farm is uh, I suppose the other thing is trying to get succession the succession scheme as well you know there is there is a lot to do with this um, with this steps for our future but I'm sure we'll touch on that in a few minutes yeah, so in in that uh, regard, I just see the uh, the IFA and um, uh, Chagas have information meetings next week on farm succession and inheritance. There's four of them around the country. There's often these put out there maybe once a year. You'll see three or four of them. I suppose from your perspective in Mockredo, fine to have these events on, but in reality, it's not actually happening on the ground. These transfers aren't occurring. Would that be fair to say? Yes, it's very true. It's great. Like I saw... On Twitter there earlier, I think one of them succession talks had nearly four or five hundred people in attendance. But that's what I said on Twitter anyway. But it's now, it's like, look, within Mocker, we have a service and we we actually had the report launched there two weeks ago in Dublin, the Dan Mobility Service that is actually helping 
do these matches on farms. But it's the lack of support from the government currently to actually provide the service is the big thing, and it's something that we are fighting for because, look, it is going to be the future of rural Ireland too. Succession is the big part that everybody needs to play a part in. I'm presuming, Elaine, if you if you could wave a magic wand, you'd bring back the installation aid that was around years ago. It was, it was a great package uh, when, it, when, it, when it did exist. I suppose we would, you know. Yeah, well, it was it was an exceptional one. Like everyone kind of won in it, and there and there was a you know a, a very very adequate amount of money paid across. But it was one of those ones that we lost, and I suppose it has stopped those transfers then occurring as a result of it. Yeah, it has. Look, it's really look with the service that we have in Mockra, Off the top of my head now, I can't remember, but I know that they have nearly over a thousand people that have already sought to try to seek land through the service of land mobility. Well, it's actually trying to get the government to support us and give us the funding required to provide the service. I think the minister even said in his own speech that the, he couldn't, he couldn't have picked that, he couldn't see any other organisation doing what we're doing so well. Yeah. Well, it's great that he said that, but it's now it's the funding behind it we require. Yeah, proof of the puddings and the eating, as you say. But you have a big event next week. It's taking place next Tuesday. Steps to the future. Explain to us what's occurring, Elaine. Okay, so we are starting, so it's happening over next Tuesday and Wednesday. We're starting in a toy where Mokra was founded. We're gathering in a toy and we're walking 79 kilometres, carrying a message to the building, to the government building. We have eight key points. Our key points are around affordable housing and planning, healthcare, the definition of a family farm, the succession scheme, the lack of planning for the future of our rural communities, Quotas put around young farmers and the lack of transport and the re-wetting. These are all issues that came forward from our members. And I suppose in the name Steps to Our Future, we will be walking 14 hours through throughout the night to arrive at the gates of the government at 1 o'clock on the Wednesday, the 26th. And look, we are pleading with everybody to come out and support us. It's something that we need to do. We need, to, we need the government to actually see we are serious and we want to stay in rural Ireland. As there's no point lying, there kind of seems to be a mass immigration happening at the moment. So it's important that they try to keep us in our rural communities rather than rural communities dying away at the wayside. And the Steps to the Future event, Elaine, if people are interested in getting involved in that, what's the best way of doing it? Literally reach out on social media, even ring Mokra, you can Google their name, you can reach out to myself, John, anybody you know within Mokra, they'll point you in the right direction. Look, we do need a crowd in a toy um, gathering at 6 o'clock on the Tuesday. And the walkers will be leaving at quarter past um, 7. And we also need a crowd in Dublin on Wednesday when we arrive at 1 o'clock. There'll be free food, everything there for people. We're just pleading with people to come out and show their support for the youth of rural Ireland. Very good. Uh, big event, Elaine. And uh, look, we wish you all the best with it. No doubt we'll be speaking to you many times over the next couple of years uh, during your presidency. Uh, congratulations on winning it and uh, best of luck with that event next week. And thanks for joining me here on the programme. Thanks, Mill MJ. Uh, Elaine Hoolan there, President-elect of Mockern Affirm. And that event that they have taking place next week is called Steps to the Future next Tuesday. And as Elaine said, if you're interested in that, pop it into Google there, uh, Steps to the Future Mockra. And there's loads of info there if you want to join in. Uh, while they walk to Dublin with eight steps 
about the or eight points I should say uh, about what they want from the government in relation to rural Ireland uh, now just before I go to a break looking at the Irish Farmers Journal for tomorrow we have uh, pe- petrified sh- farmers petrified of Sinn Féin tax charges this is the headline on tomorrow's Farmers Journal so farmers are petrified that Sinn Féin and government could bring about changes in agricultural tax legislation according to agri solicitor Ashling Meehan uh, well I suppose look we're, we're a long way off that at the moment but uh, it's certainly an attention grabbing headline no question about that uh, two feed and slurry additives could reduce farm methane emissions by 25% so look we often hear about these additives uh, that can be added to slurry in order to reduce emissions and there is a company here that are saying they can reduce farm emissions by 25% uh, weaning prices up 200 euro per head as export trade heats up so a uh, follow on from what Darren Carty was saying earlier on about that very strong Mart trade. Also, a piece tomorrow. Key details farmers need to know for TAMS tree applications. So, the majority of TAMS are now open and ready to go. Uh, I know the organic one opened yesterday. If you've gone into organics, you're now going to get a 60% grant as opposed to 40 if you are over 40. Uh, those TAMS are all ready to go now on the department website, uh, Ag Food, and you can apply. At your at your leisure, I suppose uh, easy to apply. Uh, paying for them is the is the pro- is the problem, but um, also we have solar on your farm. What you need to know about solar on your farm, Stephen Rob, who joined us here I think two weeks ago on the program, uh, giving us a rundown on solar and solar PV. He's a piece tomorrow on that. And finally, milk prices falling at home and abroad. So it's about third consecutive month where milk prices have fallen. Aidan Brennan has a piece on that. And that leads us nicely into what we're going to be speaking about in just a moment because I have Conor Ryan joining me after the break. He is the CEO of Arabon. We're going to be talking about all things milk and how Arabon has just seen their greatest ever turnover, over 500 million in turnover last year. So stay tuned. We're going to be speaking to Conor Ryan in just a moment. Country Life with MJ Cleary on Midlands 103. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to all things milk and we have Conor Ryan on the line. Conor's the CEO of Arabon. Conor, many thanks for taking my call this evening. You're welcome, MJ. Uh, Conor, brilliant year for Arabon last year. A turnover surpasses 500 million euros, so a real milestone for the co-op. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, a little bit about yourself, Conor. Uh, you're obviously the CEO of Arabon. It's a big job. You're in charge of a lot of people. Uh, what was your background and your early career uh, that got you into this current position? Uh, I went to college inside in what was DNAG at the time, doing business studies, and uh, what's today, University of Limerick. And that's where I did my undergraduate. And the first 20 years of my life has been with Kerry Group in a number of positions. Most of them here in Ireland, but uh, four years of that were spent on the continent uh, based in Italy. So uh, came a time, MJ, that's just time to come home, young kids and schooling and all the rest. And the opportunity came up in Nina. They were looking for a chief executive, Jimmy Murphy, who'd been there for a good few years before that was retiring. So I was successful in my application for that. And that's 18 years ago. Like yeah, that, that was my next question, Connor. Eighteen years, and uh, look, a, gr- a great career in the uh, in the dairy industry. No, no question about it. You're obviously. I asked you this on on the line uh, previously, just before we came on. You had to be a tip man to be involved in in Arabon. They wouldn't let a non-tip person run it. I'm guessing, Connor. <laughs> uh, well, 
they could have an awfully lad dusting at a chance. Why worry? We're, we're not a, we're not a million miles away from you, of course, across no, the no, across no. the border. There, uh, look, yeah. it's a it's a it's it's um it's a positive story. There's no question about it. Uh, you're you've turned over five hundred million uh, last year. Look, last year was a bumper year for dairy and across the board, farmers and processors alike. Um, speaking to me about those numbers, Connor. So what do they always say? Turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. Um, of that five hundred million turnover, then what were the actual figures? What did you what did you put the money into? Uh, sure, listen, the, the majority of our business, in rough terms, about 400 comes from uh, milk and about 100 billion comes from trading. Um, so that's, that's the way it breaks down. So uh, the liquid is a small portion of that. It's principally other manufacturing plants in ENA, where we do milk proteins and butter, uh, skim milk powders, whey powders, etc. So that was uh, that was what drove our business last year. But on the other hand, the agribusiness was exceptionally good. Now, some of it was difficult at times because of availability of products, etc. But, you know, we had massive price inflation. And, you know, we saw seed and fertilizer doubling in cost and, you know, a very, very challenging year from that perspective. Drove a lot of turnover, but at the end of the day, but it, it, you know, turnover is sanity and profit is sanity. So we, we had a operating profit of short of just short 10 million and we didn't even that last year of 18.5 million. So overall, um, in difficult circumstances, I think the business coped with it fairly well. You know, milk price continuously rose during the year up to about September, which is big help when you're manufacturing large quantities of milk. But more importantly, you know, that had to be dealt with because fuel prices, particularly gas and to a lesser extent energy later, were driven to horrendous levels also. So there's a fair balancing act going on all year to, to keep it. But listen, We've milk price up at sixty cents a litre to the very near doing the milk price below thirty. So we we were we, you know, it was an exceptional year for farmers and an exceptional year for processors. We we were delighted with it. And you spent a lot of money on your business in the in the in the previous years on uh, stainless steel, as they say, and a lot a lot of processing uh, capacity. Uh, obviously, that doesn't come cheap. Um, did you do that? Did you borrow money to do that? Did you do it out of out of profits? What way did you structure that? We 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 we've doubled our milk pool since about 2015. So we were a 250 milliliter business. Uh, we were up over 500 milliliters at the moment. Uh, we spent uh, approximately 30 million on on our plant and processing plant in Ina. We introduced a new plant there in the milk protein side of it. Uh, we're finishing off that task now. It's been a three-year project that has probably rolled into four years because of COVID, etc. But we, we changed our product mix. We drove our efficiencies, uh, and today we have a pretty modern plant. Still not finished with it, MJ, but you know we've we've made a lot of headway, which has been very helpful in driving the bottom line of the business and returning better resource providers. I suppose, Connor, it's indicative of dairy farming the way it's gone in the last few years lots of farmers have spent a lot of money on their holdings and they've increased their storage and their sheds and whatnot you've done the same thing just in a different way so it's just economies of scale really um, also last year you sold the liquid milk uh, sales book what drove that decision? Uh, we, liquid milk has been a very, very tough business and we've found it very difficult to make any kind of a decent return for a number of years on liquid milk we had explored different options and are trying to get into a sustainable position and that was, you know, out of one of those discussions, we got an offer for a sales book, and and we 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 took it and we knocked it around, and we have come to we came to an agreement with Arriva to to sell them that liquid milk book and, and the brand. We retained the plant in Kilconnell, which we're working on options for at the moment, but you know there's an overcapacity issue in the industry, 
there's too few buyers at the far side. It's, it's very much dominated by a, a few retailers, and um, it, it's over ultra competitive and very hard. And last year was a particularly difficult year because milk prices rise, and then we had a task of trying to get price increases and existing contracts and at lower prices. So, you know, we 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 made a decision to focus on on a particular area. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's the manufacturer milk, and I think that has been for the better of our members and our farmers in the long term. That's the best chance that we return the best possible milk price today. The uh, the big issue at the moment, uh, Connor, is obviously the area of uh, banding of cows and the, the derogation where it's going to end up going. Uh, it's quite stressful for farmers. I was sp- speaking to uh, a farmer in Nina, a supplier of one of your own. And he's currently milking 101 cows. It's a couple of weeks back. Uh, very good operator. And the way the goalposts have kind of shifted and changed, and now he's going to have to change that 101 down to 86 unless he can take additional land. And that's indicative of uh, dairy farmers throughout the country. What is the the feeling from them, uh, Connor, when you're speaking to dairy farmers in relation to this? Are they annoyed by these changes? Are they? I look, they're a resilient bunch. There's no question about it. But it's a it's a big big challenge for dairy farmers going forward. Yeah, I think it is the uncertainty of it. The banning is one aspect of it. Derogation and possible change of derogation is the second aspect of it. Uh, you know, in my experience, MJ, every farmer kind of looks at things differently. Some of them are quite bullish about it and they see there'll be extra land available and they'll rent it out and we see what's been paid for the land at the moment. Some others are quite happy. They're overstretched themselves and they, they want to cut back a bit. But it, it, it's not a help. We need certainty in that area, and we need it soon. So, you know, bring more stability to the markets. Uh, yeah, we're under pressure from an environmental aspect. There's definitely going to be some changes. But the quicker there's complete clarity around it, I think the better for everyone. It's, it's yeah. a difficult position. Yeah, no, absolutely. A difficult position is, is what it is. It's causing a lot of stress to, I'm not just going to say dairy farmers, to any kind of reasonably productive farmer that's uh, relatively highly stocked. All the, all these changes are, are causing, causing a lot of stress because it's, uh, it's coming from outside. A question about stress then, uh, Connor. In your job, when you're handling big money, a lot of people, a lot of staff, obviously stress is an issue. It's an issue in all areas of life. What do you do to deal with it yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah, we are involved in a fantastic industry. You know, and any day that you went to work and you don't realize that, you should be doing something else. You know, this is a farmer-owned cooperative owned by the farmers of Tipperary, Galway, Offaly, Westmeath. It's a fantastic business. We export products all over the world from that from that milk. And, you know, there's a great pride and a great sense of uh, achievement in, 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 in being involved in that business. And, you know, sometimes people look in a co-ops, and I, I'm not sure they fully appreciate it. We're not owned by multinationals coming out of America or, you know, PLCs. This is a farm-owned cooperative. And it's a, you know, we had our AGM today in Nina. We had up in 200 people at us. We successfully changed the rules uh, in, in our co-op with the support of our members to reduce our board size, uh, introduce uh, another external director onto the board. So, yeah, you could get bogged down with stress, but I think you need to remain positive. You need to keep a clear head, but you really need to appreciate the opportunity you have. And dairying for the last, since 2015, has been a fantastic business to be involved in. There's plenty of excitement at farm level. There's more excitement at processor level. We're spending money, we're developing sites, and we're going forward, which we weren't allowed to do up to 2015. Now, we have a different set of challenges coming against us for the next 10 years. But it's a lot better than where it was prior to 2015, and we record by quarter. And we with have a fantastic industry here, and, and, and we re- people should really appreciate it. 
Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent, Connor. I, I don't disagree with you there, especially the farmer-owned aspect. It's uh, it's 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 excellent, as you say, not owned by a multinational or some foreign corporation or whatnot. Uh, but those challenges that are facing dairy farming, obviously, they're going to lessen the milk pool, or that's the kind of the grand plan or the grand idea. It's mm. in turn then going to lessen, you know, your milk pool that you're going to be able to sell on and process and whatnot. So, do you see any growth really? Is it just trying to maintain where you're currently at? It's going to be hard grow in the next number of years. I, I suppose we, we explained it today at our age of our suppliers. In our terms, we're where we want to be. We're up in 500 millilitres. That gives us a level of scale and efficiency, and we're happy at that level. If we drop back 20 or 30 millilitres, we can cope with that. It's not a big issue for us. Now, having said that, we had over 30 new entrants into our business last year. We probably went over 20 or 25. So I, I think, you know, I, I, this idea that the milk pool has topped out, there's probably some level of truth in it. I think it's more concentrated in certain areas, but I certainly think from, if you take from Nina back up to Offaly, Westmead, off East Galway, back up along, there's still more opportunity for guys to get into farming up there. I think the lows, there's a far higher level of intensity than what we have up, up above us. And, and we see most of our new entrants come from above Nina. Uh, that's where most of the growth is coming from because the land is more available and it, it's not not as a you know more opportunities to, to get land and to grow. So I think we all talk about the new entrants, but like every year, you know, the age profile is not they're not all 25 anymore. They're, the age profile we, we we have a number of guys get out every year and no one ever talks about them. So you might be bringing in 25 or 30, but you have 25 or 30 retired as well. So we've probably seen the meat pool going to where it goes. And if it is, that's fine. But the bigger challenge is to extract more value out of it. You know, the day doing standard skimmer powder or basic commodities history, there's loads of opportunity within the within the industry to grow the value of that milk pool, get different ingredients out of it, new customers. And, and that's where we need to be focused for the next five years. You know, we've had five years of exceptional growth that have been dealt with and done with. Now, it is a different challenge and a more exciting challenge. And we have to do that in a more environmentally friendly way. So... Not alone do we have to produce new products, but we also have to make sure that you know we're using less water, we're using less gas, we're using less electricity, we're reducing our carbon footprint, and you know it's just a different set of challenges. But it's a new, we're really nice to be facing today. And my last question for you, Conor, before I let you go, I have to ask you on the drop in milk prices over the course of the last couple of months. Uh, ICMSA are saying we're heading for below-cost production. Uh, they're not happy. Uh, dairy farmers in general are uh, up in arms given the input prices and the reduction in milk prices. Where do you see it going in the next few months, uh, Conor? Can we see these month-on-month drops continuing? Will it level out? What do you think? I think, uh, I, listen, MJ, I think there's another cut, but without a doubt, we're, we're currently 44 cents a litre. Friesland campaign is the biggest co-op in Europe is 38 and a half cents at the moment for, 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 for equipment price like and they are you know a fairly formidable organisation uh, so that's a fair reflection of probably where the market is somewhere between 10, 38 and 40 this week was more positive than that we saw the GDT two days ago it's one of three and a half percent growth which was the first positive sign we've seen but milk supply will and price milk supply will determine price if we see a level in of supply, particularly in Europe, over the next three or four months or three or four weeks, I believe we'll see a stability quicker. The danger here is if we see continued growth in milk, as we have seen the last three months, of like the Germany, the UK, Poland, Holland, that is that 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 won't help milk prices and ourselves. You know, we're seeing flat milk supply 
year to date in our business, and I'd say most Irish processes have seen the same or probably less. That will determine milk price more than anything we do. So if we see stable supply, I think milk price has settled in around 38 to 40 cents a litre level. If, if, if we see continued growth, I, I'd be concerned. You know, that's my honest view. Very good. Well, Con, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. Great rundown there and really enjoyed the chat over the last, last two minutes. Look, this time next year, hopefully I'm talking to you and maybe your turnover is 550 or 600 million. Um, who knows what, what, the, what the year will bring. But many thanks for joining me here for the last few minutes on, uh, on Country Life. Thank you, MJ. Cheers. Uh, Conor Ryan there, CEO of Arbon, And I'm going to shoot to a break really quick now because I want to talk about slurry storage and the um, slurry storage bags. They are being uh, distributed in Ireland by calfpens.ie. And the man is called Paul Dillon. Paul's going to join me in just a moment. He's going to talk all about it. And uh, we're getting a little bit short on time. So I'm going to shoot to that. So stay tuned and we'll be back to you in two minutes. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to slurry storage, but a different type of slurry storage, slurry bags. And the man in the know is Paul Dillon from calfpens.ie. Paul, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem, MJ. It's a pleasure. Uh, so your business is calfpens.ie, uh, Paul. And if you, people log on, they can see a wide range of products. You have loads of products, calf jackets and, and, and any amount of different products. Uh, we're going to speak specifically on slurry bags because they've just been given the nod for TAMS funding. Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, Paul, what exactly is a slurry bag? Tell us, please. Oh, it's, uh, I suppose it's, it's made from uh, PVC uh, material, um, I suppose it's for all the world like um, a pillow in the shape of it when it's full. Um, it fills to 1.6 metres high. And the, the volumes that they can hold up to half a million gallons and anything smaller. Um, they would have a lifespan for 20, 25 years. Um, the advantages of them, I suppose, are that there's, they need very little site work. To, to, for the installation uh, compared to other options for st- storing the slurry. Yeah, and these are on the go for quite a while out in the continent. They're relatively new to the Irish market. Like, you wouldn't see many uh, as, you're, as you're driving around dairy farms, but on the continent you'd see plenty. Yeah, particularly in France. The, it was a French company that would have invented in Labarone about 60 years ago. So people that would have travelled uh, on holidays to... Brittany region in particular would see will have seen a lot of them, so they they would be the most uh, popular form of slurry storage in I'd say in that dairying region at, the, at now. Um, and there is a the there is a big benefit, uh, Paul, in that they are completely sealed. So we're not sure on the the rules going forward, but um, you know, l- open lagoons slurry may have to be fully closed in <clears throat> we're not sure on that hasn't come in yet but look it prob- probably will so that's your benefit with the with the slurry bag like it's, it's completely enclosed so you have no emissions leaving the slurry yeah like I suppose the, the rules are actually in place at the moment that all new slurry containment uh, is supposed to be sealed even as it is but there doesn't seem to be uh, much emphasis on it at the moment but um I suppose a lot of people are concerned, a lot of farmers are concerned that at some point in the not-too-distant future, those rules will be tightened up. So to be compliant with the environmental regulations that we expect to be happening in the short term, the banks are fully compliant, whereas it probably would cost, it would cost money 
to make some of the other options compliant. Yes, and we'll speak about, uh, we'll compare and contrast a couple in a moment. The other one question I'd have on the bags is um, farmers putting the slurry in fine, but getting it back out. Uh, if you have um, slurry, it obviously would probably need to be quite watery slurry that, that's going into it just to ensure it wouldn't cake up inside. Yeah, the, the 6% is what the manufacturers, 6% dry matter maximum is what they would, um, that's the, their guideline anyway. So most dairy slurry from cows, particularly on grass silage, six percent would you know that would be that would be okay. Uh, I suppose beef cattle will tend to be drier, mm. so we we wouldn't recommend them for beef cattle. Um, so yeah. so but dairy, dairy, any dairy slurry you you should be okay. Yeah, be, now, I think there is uh, agitating agitating points on the bags anyway. So it's not as you know. So you know you would still be recommending even if you were putting it in at 6% or 5% dry matter, that you would agitate before you'd spread it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the cost, uh, Paul. So there's loads of different sizes, but there's a bag, it's in around 100,000 gallons, 110,000 gallons, 500 cubic metres, uh, which is, look, uh, um, a, a nice amount of slurry storage, I suppose, to, to get going at one of these. Uh, what is our cost for one of those? Yeah, yeah that would be a, a good size now because a lot of people, they don't. they only need... A small bit of extra storage to get them, you know, you know, to make them compliant. So that 100, 109,000 gallons, so that's 500 cubic meters. Um, that works out about 30,500 plus VAT installed. Mm-hmm. And so that's ready to for put to put slurry into it. In. Yeah, and uh, as we say, we can now we can get tams on these uh, as well, which is uh, which is the big thumbs up. Uh, versus then a perma store, what we would normally see, we'd normally see the big green uh, galvanized perma stores. You see them on farms around uh, plenty when you're driving around. If you were to get a comparable perma store uh, for roughly a hundred thousand gallons of slurry, what are you talking roughly cost wise? Roughly ab- ab- about fifty thousand, including the concrete base. The, the, the mesh that goes into the whole lot, you'd have a, 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 a 110,000 gallon, this, the, you had a comparable um, perma store up for that, about 50,000. Now, I suppose, and we, we sell the perma stores, and like it, it, is a, it is a great option for slurry storage. If you had to put a cover on that perma store, then you see that's the problem, it would cost you about another 25,000. And that's what has people a bit concerned. Mm. So your your all in cost there would be about seventy five thousand. It is a fair. It's a fa- yeah. It's a fair. It's a fair difference when you're looking at the thirty versus the seventy five. Uh, I suppose for farmers who have a perma store up and running for the last number of years and have it paid for, it's a little bit different. They cover it if they need to. But uh, going from new, it, it's it's hard to look past the the uh, the slurry bag. Realistically, like the the numbers stack up. What do you look as I say we. we we still sell permasores and we still we sell the bags and we sell the goons and whatever. But so different farms have different options that are suitable for the different situations. So even though the, the permasores do work out a good deal more expensive, there's some situations where they, they may still be the best option. Yeah, it all depends. So, uh, so Paul, Paul, I'm just out, I'm just out of time, so I'm going to have to let you go. But it's calfpens.ie and uh, look, your mobile number's on it. If people are interested, pick up the phone, give you a buzz, and you certainly know this area upside down and inside out. I'm going to say many thanks for joining me this evening on the program. Very good. Okay, no further, MJ.
uh, Paul Lillen there from calfpens.ie and uh, certainly those slurry bags with the TAMS funding look a very interesting option in relation to slurry storage. Now, that's it for this evening's programme. I'd like to thank all of my guests here over the course of the last hour. We started off with Darren Carty from the Irish Farmers Journal and then we had Elaine Houlihan, President-elect from Ocran Affirmland. and their big event is next Tuesday, Steps to the Future. We moved on to Conor Ryan, CEO of Arabon, gives a great insight into what is a real success story of Irish agriculture, completely farmer-owned co-op and uh, processing over 500 million litres of milk. Uh, Paul Lillen from calfpens.ie spoke to us about slurry storage. Now, the show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am until 8am. I'll be back with you this time next week, as always. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify or Google or Apple. If you type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y, we will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. Uh, Joe Cooney is up next with Country Roads. I'll talk to you this time next week. Good night and God bless. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. Orshaw.ie.